304 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is January 31st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined, as always, on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going, bud? Dude, that means we get baseball next month. Hey, man. So it's going fantastic now. We're flipping the calendar. I'll tell you what. It was amazing weather today in Austin. I know some of you that are freezing wherever you may live might not want to hear that, but it was up in the 80s. Wow. And, I mean, it's what I like to call a, a, a trick. Uh, we get a couple of them every January and February. They're just these weekends. They're amazing. I'm not complaining about them, but they might get you feeling like, oh, the, the nice weather's here to stay. It's definitely not. You know, we're going to be back at like 50 uh, on Wednesday, again, which is freezing for me. I understand that it's all relative, folks. Some of you hear 50 and you're like, that's actually shorts weather for me. <laughs> Colette knows very well that it's not for me. So I'm, I'm beaming. You know, I, when I'm talking about the weather, if it's good weather, I'm giddy. I'm giddy. So uh, it did not suck. It didn't not suck today in Charlotte either. It was uh, uh, in the upper 60s See, and uh, good stuff. That yeah, definitely in shorts works. Flip flops and uh, enjoying it. In fact, I was in shorts and flip flops all weekend. That, that's the kind of weekend it had to be. We we had we had one of those two. The the country needed one. Hopefully hopefully a bunch of y'all got one. Uh, you can tell us about it on Twitter if you want. I'll talk the weather with you on Twitter. I'm not afraid. At Spore S P O R E R at Jason Collette. That's C O L L E T T E. Got to get that E on the end. Got to got to do it. Rate and review us on iTunes. It just I'm I'm a broken record here because you guys just keep dominating. I keep asking. You guys keep dominating. I really appreciate it. We are up to 4.9 stars. Honestly, if you just take the numbers. And do the math. It's technically a five-star rating, even though it's not. It's like 4.97. That's how well y'all are, are rating hey, us. When I look right now, it's uh, this podcast is the 21st overall podcast. It is second for fantasy baseball behind the 06010. That's nice. Uh, but, yeah, we are 21st overall. We are not number one overall because that honor goes to my fellow birthday buddy, Jonah Carey. Our good buddy, Jonah Carey, absolutely had a – Banner week last week in terms of announcements and, and then re- the a release. job an hour. Was there like a job I, announcement I an hour? It, was. it seriously seemed like it. It was the hot stove uh, of baseball with the moves coming out, but they were all for Jonah. It's like I'm Every, working, I, yeah, I, I wanted this. to see the jobs report and, and have the White House go. And it was a really good week uh, because Jonah Carey was basically <laughs> driving all the jobs. He drove. Because he cut out. He cut unemployment by one percent by himself. Yes. Just the, the jobs extra one percent was his new job rate. No, um, big congrats to him. We're, we're joking. We love Jonah. Uh, he's killing it over there. I'm, I'm, I'm not the guy who says you can only listen to one podcast, only listen to ours. Everyone's going to listen to multiples. I listen to multiples. Jonah's new podcast on the Nerdist Network. If you're unfamiliar with Nerdist, get on that too. That's a world's colliding sort of deal for me. That's been always separate from my baseball life, kind of enjoying the Nerdist podcast and things that Chris Hardwick does. And now it's intersecting with Jonah being over there. So big congrats to him for sure. Uh, he's going to be writing at CBS, Sports Illustrated. He's just all over the place. He's Jonah. He's great. If you've met Jonah, you know he's great. I've never heard a single bad word about him. He's Canadian. That 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 gives him a leg That's up on fine. being nice, you know? <laughs> uh, we got yeah. one big move. Hi to talk about and then i'm gonna let uh you kind of just go off on these third base rankings i got a ton of questions for you you know and i tried out this new format uh on friday with second baseman it totally worked so we'll get you going on third baseman because there's a lot to talk about there but i want to get in on this deal first this was a an interesting deal you know i think it's honestly i think it's probably a bigger deal for fantasy people than uh you know what i would say kind of mid-level run-of-the-mill baseball fan he sees it across the ticker and he might not even know all the names um but gene segura 
and Tyler Wagner heading from the Brewers to the Diamondbacks for Chase Anderson, Aaron Hill, and Izan Diaz. Uh, that's a pretty – that's a sizable deal at this point. Gene Segura now had that big run, that big, what, three-month, two-and-a-half-month run when he first started with Milwaukee, and I was like, wow, mm-hmm. that Zach Greinke trade, that really worked out. And then he's done literally nothing since. How do you feel about Gene Segura now in Arizona? You know, the sad thing is I don't know how much you can rule out the the you know the tragic passing of his infant son because uh, yeah. honestly he hasn't been the same dude since. I don't know if, if causation or correlation, but that time's up. But yeah, I, that's really tough to overlook and ignore. Uh, I don't know even if a change of scenery is going to make that any better. I mean, but I like this guy because we saw him in the Arizona Fall League. We liked him a lot then. I mean, he looks like he's four foot two, but he always had to, he always had pop in his bat and, and whatnot. But since his son passed, it's like he's been a completely different guy. And I don't know how much you know, the internal motor that everybody has to have, how much that's still lit for him because of that. Uh, I, I would hope because, I mean, this is a guy that I've liked quite a bit. I think, you know, the ballpark, not that Milwaukee is uh, is any kind of pitcher's park at all. In fact, That's if you look thing, at park factors, it was the number one another. home run park. Yeah, it was the number one home run park. But but Chase Field plays really well to the gaps, and that's where Segura's bat can really play up well is going gap to gap. So I think this is I think this will be a nice fit for him uh, ballpark wise. You don't make a trade like that to put this guy in a utility role. So I mean, I think Dave Stewart has already said that he's going to be the everyday shortstop mm-hmm. and that, that affects Chris Owings value uh, you know, for there. So, you know, and I also like Chase Anderson quite a bit, too. Uh, that's a pitcher. Anybody's got that good of a change up. I'm always going to be a sucker for, you know, I made the comment on Twitter that I like him getting out of Chase Field because while while uh, you know Milwaukee's park has uh, it has its issue with home runs overall, it just I haven't looked at the final numbers, so I don't know the run environment. Just always feels higher in Arizona than it is in Milwaukee. I would agree with that. It, maybe it's just a feel thing. We we can we can look up the numbers and see exactly what it looks like. But from a perspective, I'm always like, yeah, I would rate Arizona as the as the tougher park between the two. But maybe we just have the perception wrong. Either way, you know, he needs to keep the homers in check. That was an, an issue that he ran into last year. Chase Anderson did. Uh, that's a guy that Enos really touted. So you know, we liked. Chase Anderson on this podcast, like you said, the, the elite, the elite changeup is what really does it. That's interesting. Miller Park and Chase Field are right next to each other in, in the runs for Park Factor. Single year. Now, mind you, this is only 2015. Okay. If you look at ESPN, they don't do. And I'm a big believer in multi-year Park Factors. I think and you got to have it. Yeah. Year. It's like yeah. defensive data. Uh, there could be too much noise in, in a one-year sample. So I, I agree with you there. But either way, it. it the park doesn't really change anything for either guy here. We're talking, and, and these are the key components of the deal. Tyler Wagner, I think, was up last year. Um, is Aaron Hill just done? This was a guy I used to love. Is he is he just done? I think he is. I mean, the last two years have just been crap for him. I made the joke. There was a tweet that Heyman had put out last week saying, you know, Diamondbacks want to trade Aaron Hill, but the tough second base market's making that really tough to do. I'm like, well, and the fact that he's due $12 million and has been ass for the last yeah, two years. The being terrible. And Heyman market. actually responded to it. I'm like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then they had that moving and, and uh, Milwaukee's getting five and a half million to offset it. So if you're going to pay Aaron war, uh, Aaron Hill is a one war player. Okay. Then that works. But no, I mean, it, you know, he didn't hit, he hasn't hit the last couple of years in Arizona. We just mentioned about the, the, the park factors. I don't know if it's really going to help uh, him going to Milwaukee either. It's just, 
it's really strange to see how his career's fallen off. And 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 now you're talking about a 34 year old. We know that second base in particular, they can age quickly. They can kind of drop off without notice. And honestly, that's kind of what it's looked like here. Now it happened earlier than you might expect. Age 32 is when we really saw a big drop. Although, you know, here's the thing. And I know he's older, so it might not work this way. But he put up two dog crap seasons in 2010 2011 77 wrc plus in both of them and then mm-hmm. popped off two big years with the diamondbacks well actually one and one and a half the other one was 87 games and he got hurt since that injury though maybe there's lingering injury issues that are uh, holding him up because since then it's been 78 and 71 with the wrc plus in legitimate time for hill 541 plate appearances in 14 and 353 last year so that's really tough i don't think he's a guy that you have to look at at the draft table, even in an NL only, I think it's more of a, uh, he has to prove something before you want to jump back in. You know, the best case is if you're, you're really struggling for a, a middle infielder in an NL only and you can get him for a buck, but otherwise I'm just not, I'm just not back in on him right now. You know, the, the three-year park factors actually play in favor. I'm looking at the three-year park factors of baseball HQ and they say for right-handed home run hitters, Chase Field is a is a six percent hit. Okay. Uh, you know, below average, whereas Miller Park is twenty three percent above average, and that's three year wow. park fact. So I mean, that's it was substantial. Already, that it already liked it already liked Miller it already liked Miller Park in the one year, in the three year it's even stronger uh, for him. So maybe maybe there's a little bit of a bounce back for him, but it, in this case it doesn't matter because you can get him dirt dirt cheap. That's the thing. You you, you can honestly probably like I said just wait and not even draft him, see if something starts to show, and then get him. This is a guy I would watch in, in spring training. I know he's a veteran. He's not going to go out there and, and, and try to dominate spring training. But if I could see Aaron Hill, actually see him, not just look at the numbers and kind of get an eye on what he's doing, if you see kind of that old version, older version of him that uh, you know has put up some good seasons. I mean, this guy has a 36 home run season under his belt. And a couple of 26s as well. And let's be honest, he's not staying in Milwaukee all year. No, 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 especially if he does something. If, if he gets back yes. on track in the in the slightest, he's being flipped. Here's uh, the, the thing that, that, that has to change if, this, if he's going to take advantage of this park factor. He's got to start lofting the ball again. You look at last year, his ground ball rate uh, was the highest that it's been since his early days in Toronto. Yeah, we're talking like 10 years ago. Wow. His ground ball rates has been high, so he's not lofting the ball. And even the ones he was hitting, he hasn't had a double-digit home run to fly ball ratio since 2012. And, you know, four years in Arizona, and there was 11, 10, 6, and 6 in the home run to fly ball ratio. And the ground ball rate has gone up 35, 38, 35, and 42% last year. Um Something's got to give here if he's going to take advantage of that. If that ground ball rate carries over and he doesn't loft the ball, then maybe he goes, you know, what did he hit, like eight homers last year? Yeah. Six. Maybe he gets back to double-digit home runs. Um, but I, there's no way he's touching 20. If you can get him, you know, with the playing time, if you can get him in the low teens, that'll double what he had last year. If you, you know, think of the six homers he had in 353 plate appearances, so you get him low teens, that doubles what he had last year. But again, you can get him at, at next to nothing. Um, but that's kind of what he's produced the last couple of years is next to nothing. That's the thing. It, it, it just hasn't been there. So you can wait on Aaron Hill. The one thing I will say, I do like the plate skills. You know, if, if you're talking about a guy with a 9% walk rate and a 15% strikeout rate, that, that's pretty good. So again, if you can find that loft, maybe it's injuries. Maybe he just needs to be healthy. So we'll keep an eye on Hill, though. We're not drafting him right now. I'm not even really drafting Segura. I know there's speed there, but I'm I'm just not interested right now. 
Let's yeah. talk some third base rankings. Again, this is a this is an interesting position because it's really top heavy. You've got as many as three, uh, actually as many as four, but usually three third basemen going in the first round. Sometimes the aggressive folks on Chris Bryant are getting him in there in the back end of the first round, along with Donaldson, Machado, and Arenado. So you've got that kind of top heavy excellence at the uh, at the front end of it, but then it really starts to thin out. What is your, what's your general overview of third base? Um, when I look at third base, I think it's uh, has a lot of potential. I mean, like I really honestly get down to about uh, 18 before I start going in eh, and the, like the, the 18th guy by the aggregate is Matt Duffy. Mm-hmm. And then we got you know, Pablo Sandoval and then Justin Turner, who I think is a little low. Um, but, you know, 18 is a first name that I look at and I well, I take that back 15 Josh Harrison. I turn up my nose there, too. Uh, so but. That's two guys in the top 20 that I'm like, and Pablo Sandoval. So three, 85% of the top 20, I'm like, yeah. And then you get down below and then you can make some other plays. If you're looking for some power plays or some opportunities there, uh, some batting average plays, definitely power plays low. When you look at some of these aggregate ratings, there, there's some definite uh, guys that may, you know, um, sabotage and put up 20 bombs out of nowhere if everything breaks right for him so i think there's enough depth to this position it's it is it is top heavy i mean there's a lot of guys up here that are going to go you know eight nine ten of these guys are going to be gone by the sixth round oh yeah uh yeah so a lot of guys going to be flying off the board but once that goes and the middle tier is not going to be that far behind it uh and then if you if you don't get your third baseman in the first 10 10 to 12 rounds you're best off just waiting it out just you know, say forget it. I'm gonna go get something else. Yeah, because and come back point, around and do it later. It, it, at that point, it'll be a cluster of of very similar guys uh, with you know varying upsides. So you you don't if you can't get in early, you should just wait on third base. Obviously, since uh, you're doing the third base show, we'll get a question about Evan Longoria here in a second. But I want to start at the top. Where do you have uh, Chris Bryant? I mentioned in some drafts. As, as aggressive as it sounds, he's getting into the first round. Two of our guys, Paul Gustava and, and Jeff Zimmerman, had Bryant as their first third baseman. Where do you have him? Um, I'm cool with him in the aggregate as, as three. I mean, really, it's the strikeouts. It's going to limit, with the amount of times he's striking out, it's going to limit the batting average. And I think that's really the difference. I mean, the power numbers, it should be, you'll know, we'll have to see what this, the, the final surrounding cast is going to be for him. But when you look at him, it is kind of surprising. I know we fell one short, but the fact that in a full season, he didn't drive in a hundred and score more than 90 runs. I mean, the stolen bases are there for him, but 31% strikeout rate that has to get better uh, for him. And the batting average have to go up. But he, for me, Machado's one and Donaldson's two, and that's as much as I love Josh Donaldson. But you're, ta- you're talking about a career year with Josh Donaldson when his home run to fly ball ratio was up, you know, what, 200%? went from a career 14 to a 21% in one season. Everything went right for him in, in that regard. And then, you know, can it get better from there? No. Uh, you know, so then it has to backslide a little bit, whereas Machado, you could still see – He's still running, still stealing the bases. You saw the improvement year to year for everything. And, you know, may, while he's not going to get to, you know, I don't know if he's a 40 homer guy, but another 30, you know, 30 plus homers, another 20 plus steals, definitely possible. And that's why I put him first, to be honest, because uh, I don't think that Josh Donaldson, I mean, 
through no fault of his own, he can't repeat. You're not getting 120 right. runs and 120 RBIs again. That's just not going to happen. We just don't see that kind of production these days at all. In fact, that kind of season is rare on its own. Honestly, the 40 bombs, the 297 average, I even think can stick. Um, I got no problem with either of those two categories, mm-hmm. but you know, you're probably shaving off 40 between the between the runs and RBIs Man, in some form or fashion. About Machado, if we look at Machado and Bryant, Machado's contact rate is is half of what. Uh, of Brian. Brian's at 31% strikeout and Machado was 16 last year. That's the difference. If they were equal there, then I put Brian because Brian, I think, has more power to him uh, in that regard. But when you look at Machado, that makes a lot of con- make, made the big improvement in contact last year, nearly doubled his walk rate. So you know, he stopped getting himself out. If you think in my, of my, my, uh, very frequent critiques of Adam Jones and how he gets himself out. And he still puts up the numbers in the end. But if you watch some of these Adam Jones at bats, you're like, my God. Uh, and there were times, there were times in the past where Manny Machado would get himself out. Those sure. days are over. <laughs> Those days are over. He's learned really quick. And, you know, he's had three full seasons under his, uh, what should have been three full seasons, but he's had enough time at the major league, you know, at, at 23, 23 years old, he's already a very mature hitter at the plate. He's making the kinds of growth that, and, and, the, and the leaps that you like to see out of these young kids and not backsliding. He's just 21 plate appearances shy of 2000 uh, right now for Machado. So that's, that's huge. I mean, just an amazing jump last year. You would have never projected the 20 stolen bases because we're worried, you know, no. two big knee injuries. How could we possibly yep. see that coming? And that just kind of goes to the, the point about stolen bases that they're, you know, they don't get treated like this, but they're about as wild as saves. You know, obviously only one guy can get saves at any more at any point. So it's even tougher with stolen bases because anybody can do it. But so many guys that we don't even think about are capable of, of stealing if, if they kind of wanted to and if their their managers let them. And the injuries didn't stop Machado. So I don't think there's any reason to believe that he won't continue to run on some level again in fifth, uh, again in 16. Not sure he's one got another 20, thing- though. Yeah, right. One of the things that's, that really stands out when you look at Machado, he had 16 infield hits last year. Wow. That's, and again, this is not somebody you consider a flyer. No. But he had 16 infield hits. I mean, that really helps when you look at the batting average and say, wow, he had 286. You know, 16 infield hits may do that. Now, that if you look at the previous full season, he had 10. Um, and that was before the uh, the second knee injury. Uh, so if you look, you take a few of those away, you take a few batting uh, average points away. The projections are, um, you know, Steamer has them right in line with what he did last year. The fans are obviously a little higher, as they always are. Always. Uh, you know, they have them at 294 versus the 285 that Steamer has them at uh, along those lines. But for me, it's Machado, just number one, uh, because he reminds me so much of somebody else we're going to talk about shortly. Oh, wait, let me guess. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, all right, next question. Adrian Beltre, saved his season, but what now at age 37? By the way, yeah, this is... Shortly, this is what I was talking this about. This is shortly, and I will say that uh, when we do the sleeper and the bus later, we're moving the bus section up. Unfortunately, this is your bus, so t- talk to us this about Adrian it. Beltre. This is it, and let me preface this by saying there are few people outside of the state of Texas that love Adrian Beltre more than myself. <laughs> I, I believe he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, this should not be up for discussion with him, uh, but people don't value the defense enough. We got robbed uh, of his time that he had to spend in Seattle, Perfect really story. robbed him. But you yep. think of what he's done over the last couple of years, and that's the thing. I mean, if he's Manny Machado is tracking in this direction, came up really young, just like Beltre. 
got good really early, just like Beltre. Beltre had the career year. Then he went to Seattle and you know, never should have signed for that money. But, you know, it's really tough to turn down money. Oh, yeah. Then he left Seattle and he's been the guy that we all wanted him, you know, picked up where he left off with L.A. But the problem is he is turning 37 at the start of the season. And if you look at his statistics, we're looking at a five-year decline in his slugging percentage. You know, everything is he's, – he's aging gracefully. That, that's it. He's aging he really gracefully. Is. But he's turning 37, and right now in the aggregate, he's the sixth third baseman off the board ahead of Kyle Seeger, ahead of Miguel Sano, ahead of Evan Longoria. And I have no problem with him being ahead of Evan Longoria, by the way. Matt Carpenter, Anthony Rendon, you know, personally – Beltre needs to go. Beltre is not a top 10 third baseman for me this year, but he's being drafted as sixth because while he's aging gracefully, you know, dudes do fall off. You you can age gracefully for so long, but he is 37. He's played a ton of baseball. Um, and we, we, we see the statistics sliding down. And if you look at, you know, Steamer is actually has him picking up where he left off. I mean, there's no, there's no drop off there. And the fans again have him there, but I, I'm really surprised that steamer has no drop off because the drop off, there's been something every single year from 561 to 509 to 492 to 453 with the slug. Uh, his ISO has gone from 265 to 240 to 193 to 168 to 166. You know, those tends those things don't tend to bounce up the other direction. So either, either maintains or he goes down. Uh, and to, like I said, it, it pains me to say this, but he's not a top 10 third baseman this year. I actually had him exactly at 10. I was the low man on Adrian Beltre. Totally get it. Age 37. That's scary. And the problem with this, with the age at that level, and I say this a lot, is that once you get, kind of get past 35, it can jump off a cliff. The, the, yeah. There's no rule that says it has to be a, a, a slow decline. Um, it's great when, when they do that, that. Those are the Hall of Famers. Those are the super studs, and he's doing that. But there's no reason that it can't just, boom, cliff dive. So, and what um, makes him so awesome, he, I mean, he doesn't strike out. No. You look at his, his striker, he makes so much so contact. He has never ever struck out 20% of a time in any single season in this era, especially that's absurd. It is absurd. He's also never, well, unless you round up. So, but he has had two 10% walk rates in his second and third year in the league and hasn't had one since. Yeah. And they had to be rounded up from nine, nine yeah. and nine, seven have to round those up. So yeah, that's, that's absurd. How, so how that's been. He sees and, the pitches um, that he wants and he gets them. I mean, yeah. The thing is, I bet he could walk if he wanted to, but the strikeout rate would go way up. This is somebody right. who's made a con concerted choice not to do that, not to take too many walks. He's not worried about it. He'll do the damage himself. And for the overwhelming majority of his career, he's done just that. Just imagine what could have been if he wasn't in Seattle, you know. And he, the thing is, he killed it, and he killed it in the second half, too. If you look at the second half numbers last year, a massive he was just— yeah, 318, 376, 509 in the second half. So where he looked aged, but he had the thumb issue in the first half. I remember him something mm -hmm. where he had some, it was dealing with something in the second half, just started crushing it. So you know, it's, it's kind of tough to look at that and say, oh, wow, you know, yes, he's aging gracefully. The overall numbers are, the, uh, you know, when you look at a second half like that, why can't he pick up where he left off there? Maybe he can. He could. Just for me, I, I like the upside some of the other guys where I don't see upside coming from a 37 year old. That that's probably the biggest thing. It, I think it's less about Beltran and more about who is around him. I mentioned that I would get a question in about Evelyn Gore, even though it's not on the sheet uh, because originally the third baseman was planned for Eno. So, you know, you, you briefly mentioned him that you wouldn't mind 
Beltre ahead of him. I take it then that you're down on him, uh, Evelyn Goria, based on his nine overall ranking. Yeah, I am. I mean, the thing is, in the past, everybody's like, oh, if he could just play every day. Well, now he plays every day. Three times in a row. Yeah, and there's nothing with it. He's missed like four games in three years, uh, and there's just nothing there. Uh, You know, the power isn't what it once was. Uh, This year, he at least has a supporting cast around him. I would would argue at least he's got better lineup protection in front and behind him um, than he has in in previous seasons. But when you watch, you know, in the the past when Longoria was good, it's when he was going to right center field, um, and those – you don't see a lot of that anymore uh, and that hasn't happened. And, you know, rolling over on a lot of pitches, I just, you know, cause again, I see him play every day. It's just not the same guy at the plate. Uh, and some of these issues really come with so with guys on base for whatever reason, he's been struggling with runners in scoring position. That's been an issue for him. Uh, it just, you know, people keep drafting the name higher and higher and higher and the production gets lower and lower and lower. Uh, whereas his home run to fly ball ratio in 2012 was 20%. It's been 11% each of the past two years. And it's been in a, uh, you know, 2016, 11 and 11 is where it's been the last couple of years. The hard contact is way down. I mean, you think if you look at his hard contact percentages of 38 and 42% um, and 12 and 13 and then 32 and 31 in the last couple of years. That's also an issue. Um, so I think playing every day on that turf is a detriment to him uh, rather than a benefit. And I you know, would, would like to see the Rays fan of me would like to see them give him more time off. Uh, and I don't really know what how they're going to go about doing so sure. um, this year. Because it's not like they have the roster to, to say, oh, hey, let's exactly. give him some time off and let's play uh, this guy. I mean, that's going to involve playing Logan Forsyth at third base would really be it. Uh, and it's obviously a step down because defensively he's still very good. That's the thing. You, you, they value defense, and that's why he plays every day. But I'd like to see him get more time at DH um, and, and not play in the field that much because while it is a dirt infield, he's still up on the turf, back on the turf, that kind of thing, and it's just not the same. It's an interesting point uh, that you make about the fact that he's played for the last three years, Longoria has, and it hasn't yielded what we had hoped. Maybe sometimes these guys that miss time, it's not so bad. Maybe it kind of keeps them a little bit fresher, especially in their late 20s. Now he's going to be 30. I've always liked Evan Longoria. i got a soft spot for him. I'll probably have him on at least one team this year. I'll, I'll admit it, and I'll take his 20 and 80 or whatever. But maybe, just maybe, 30, age 30 breakout. No, those, that's, not, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Uh, what, what, what does Michael's, uh, Michael Franco's sophomore season look like to you? His his rookie season was a surprise to me, to be it honest really with was. you. I just didn't I didn't, I didn't see it coming, uh, and it worked out well. I don't know if it's because you know they had nothing else to play for, but the the ISO was strong, the on base percentage was strong for him, the slugging everything was strong for a guy that was statistically the minor league showed a little bit of everything. Showed he could hit, but also showed he had some uh, in plate impatience. I mean, how how is it that the guy puts up his best career walk rate as a as a major league rookie? <laughs> You know, know. you look at 2012, 2013, 2014 in the minor leagues, low walk rate, gets to the major leagues, like, you know what? I'm going to walk. You know what? Maybe it's. Flip the switch. Maybe maybe it is kind of a a switch flip, though, that, listen, I'm down here in the minors. I got to rake. I got to put up numbers. They don't want to see me walk down here, get to the majors. I can can be a little bit more selective because I'm not sure that walk rate is the most important thing when you're a minor leaguer. Um, for, for 
especially especially for the GM that was running that team. Yeah, exactly. You know, when when you when you're looking at Philly, it's not something that they're going to be overwhelmingly concerned with. They, you know, they. I don't think that I, I I would not be surprised. I sh- I shouldn't say I I think it one way or no, another because I don't know him. Haven't talked to Michael Franco, but it just wouldn't surprise me if he, he's just saying, listen, with the contact I can make, I know where the pitch is. You know, he, he understands the zone. He doesn't strike out. He's not this free swinger. He just decided to do as much contact as he could to try to do that damage. And then again, once you're in the majors, kind of settled. He was in the midst of a really good year before he got hurt, and. He, he could take more walks. He could say, listen, I'll spit on that. I, I know where I can do damage with. And he still had a 16%. I mean, you got to love that. 16% strikeout rate, 8% walk rate for a rookie. That's impressive stuff. And he's tended to get better every time he repeats a level uh, for Franco. You know, he did. He wasn't that good for a full year in AAA in 2014. Mm-hmm. And then just, thir- it was only 33 games, but he raked in AAA the second time around last year, which led to his call up. And same kind of thing. You know, in 2014, he got a cup of coffee. It was really disastrous. It was only 58 plate appearances. So you don't want to get too crazy over it. But then last year, second time around, 335 plate appearances, really good numbers. So this guy seems to learn uh, when he, you know, kind of repeats a level. I'm really excited to see what he can do for a full season. He's somebody I like and thankfully isn't getting talked up too much at third base right now. He's kind of lingering right there in that middle around the guys, you know, that are going super early and the guys that are kind of going later as sleepers. He's just kind of hanging out there in the middle with Anthony Rendon, Matt Carpenter, uh, Mike Moustakis, and I, I really like Franco. See, I mean, I like, I like Moustakos um, better than him, but he's right behind him in the aggregate. Uh, yeah. You're know, actually – yeah, right behind him. Um, I also like uh, Gung better. Yeah, one like, of the things that if if Gung's healthy, I do too. But I'm, yeah. that's what I'm concerned with. And one of the things that stood out to me, but I, I mean, at least you were consistent with it. You were the lowest on 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 uh, Chris Bryant. You were also the lowest on Sano. Yes. I'm guessing it's because of strikeouts. A hundred percent. I just okay. don't know how they can have. Um, too much success over a full season with those kinds of strikeout rates, particularly Sano. I mean, we saw a half season. Here's here's the thing. We basically saw th- they're not 100% the same, but I mean the, the comps that kept coming back for this statistical profile to be a 16% walk rate and a 36% strikeout rate, which is what Sano did, this was Jack Cust. And, you know, that's fine because of what Jack Cust did, and I'm not saying that Miguel Sano is just Jack Cust. But he needs to improve that. You can't you can't strike out 36% of the time because you're damn sure not going to hit 269 either. That's not even a good batting average, but he won't be anywhere near that. The the Babip gods just never caught up to him because he only played 80 games, and, and Sano was able to put up a 396 Babip. That's not going to happen again with a 36% strikeout rate. So you're, you're bringing that average down probably 20 points. And I think the same goes for Bryant. He had a 378 BABIP, if I recall correctly, and he yeah. only hit like 275. So again, if you're bringing it down 10, 15 points, I, I'm just I'm a lot less impressed. I think both of these guys are th- – these are two of the most overrated second-year guys in terms of, you know, after that amazing rookie class. I, I like I like Sano a lot. But, you know, one of the things, you know, you may think – that, well, you have to give him you have to give him a little bit of leash because he missed all of 2014 live action. Mm-hmm. Never saw it. That said, he struck out 29 percent of the time in 2013, 25, 26, 26, 21 and 27 are his strikeout it's rates. Just part by of level. his game. It's just it's, it's just, just what he does. So, you know, can he get that rate below 30 uh, you know, percent? I'm willing to give him a 3 uh, percent bonus 
for having missed all that live action. Okay. That's still over 30%, still exactly. a 33% rate. Uh, but I do like, I mean, I'm a huge believer in this guy's power. If there's going to be, you know, somebody, I can pencil him in for 30 homers. I think it's a lot. I, I, I think, listen, I agree. I with think you. 35 is attainable and 40 is possible. Here's the thing. I don't. I can't rule out 40 with him because the power is just ridiculous with this kid. Let me update my 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 comps. Half of you listening don't even know who the hell Jack Cust is. It's Chris. Losers. Davis. Are you gonna call him Russell Brangen? <laughs> no, no. It's Chris Davis then. But even even that that sounds amazing because of what Chris Davis just did last year. But think about what Chris Davis did in 2014 when he hit 199. He hit 26 homers in in 127 games. So he's right on that 30 homer pace that you're talking about for Sano. Uh, but he hit 196. And even in 2012, you know, uh, 33 homers, t- 270 average, That that's pretty good. But then there was the, the amazing 2013. So it can go really well for Sano. I, I fully grant that. That kind of amazing power. And he does take walks. You know, it, he's not just putting everything in, in play and, and really tanking the batting average. He is just crushing the ball, Sano is. So I, I get that the upside is, you know, something over 40 homers, even with a big strikeout rate, because we've seen what what Chris Davis can do, but so that, how about a how about a, a 2009 Russell Brannion? Because I loved Russell the Muscle. Let's see. In I'll 2009 for Seattle, 31 bombs, 76 runs driven in, 12% walk rate, 30% strikeout rate, and, a and he hit 251, okay. 347, 520. And that works. That's only 116 games too. And so if he plays all year, you're talking now with that kind of with those kind of numbers, uh, upwards of almost 40 homers. And, you know, I, again, I, I get the extravagant power. I do like it, but there's also a side that, uh, think about Chris Davis before he actually got going. Let's, let's do 2009, Chris Davis, yeah. 21 homers, 59 ribbies, 238, and a trip back to the minors. And that's not out of the question because he had a 36% strikeout rate, not only a 6% walk rate. And again, Sano takes the walks he did in the majors, he did in the minors. So that will help kind of stabilize the OBP so that if you got like a 330 OBP, even with your, your 240 average, you're, that's not as bad. And maybe he doesn't get sent down, but there's just a lot of risk with these big swing and miss guys. And I don't think that it's properly being baked in to the equation, particularly with Chris Bryant, when uh, folks have met first, I just, I can't get him above uh, Machado, Arenado or Donaldson or Frazier for me, but I understand those that have uh, Bryant ahead of Frazier at least. All right. Next up is our boy, Brett Laurie. Can he finally break out in Chicago? <laughs> Our boy, people need to understand this is really sarcastic when we say yeah. our boy. Yeah. Okay. We, we, just, we, have, we have railed we, on we, this we, dude we, for we, a long we, time. We crush him, but we always uh, draft him in fantasy, though, too. That's the thing. We, we wind it's up. It's a smoke screen. We, That's we, what it we, is. We wind oh. up having him. That's how he becomes our de facto boy. You know, I bought in uh, on that first round, that, that, that overhyped 150 at-bats. I was part of that. I bought in, and he failed me, and he's failed me miserably ever since. Now, the thing is – from a baseball standpoint, it's actually you know, it hasn't been that that bad because he's been about an average hitter, 97, 95, 103, 94 with his WRC pluses, but great defense. So he's actually been okay. But from a fantasy angle, he was supposed to be a power speed guy up the middle, which is a huge value or third base, and he just hasn't been. Well, you know, he was in Oakland for a year, and uh, maybe it would have gone better in a, in a better park. But he's been in Toronto as well, so I can't just think that a park is going to fix him. What do you think of Brett Laurie in Chicago? The numbers were all over the place. I mean, he hit the, he's hit the career high 16 homers last year because he played had 602 plate appearances. But he also 
gave up the contact. I mean, that was one of the things about Brett Larry is he was a good contactor last year, 24% strikeout rate, Oof, whereas he had always been in the mid to upper teens and all of a sudden went from 17 to 24 and he got, so the home runs came because he played more, but you look at his isolated power, it went down from 174 to 148 because of that. But he was playing in a park in, in Oakland Coliseum as three years park factors or a 10% penalty to right-handed home runs. Whereas he's moving to U.S. Cellular, which is a 13% bonus for right-handed home runs. So if you, if he were to get this kind of playing time, maybe he gets to 20 homers. Uh, but which which guy are we going to get? Because one of the crazy things last year is despite all the extra strikeouts, he had a 260 batting average, which was the third best of his five seasons in the major leagues. Uh, you know, it was better than the two previous seasons because the batting average and balls in play was also 40 to 60 points higher than it had been the previous two seasons so maybe, uh, for him. So maybe he was making better contact because when he was, when he had that great strikeout rate down in the upper teens, uh, mid to upper teens, you know, the BABIPs weren't there. Maybe that's just the hard contact of, doesn't play it out though. The hard con, the hard contact rate was one of the lowest of his career. So that doesn't, uh, and the, the but, in infield hits, he had 24 of those. So that definitely helps him betting on betting. That's average. what he had last year. 24 infield okay, hits. That, that's yeah, that's that's a, that's the huge difference. Then. That that's the difference. Yeah. Uh, okay, 25 theory debunked. combined the previous two seasons. He had 24 last yeah. year. No, that that's exactly why he was able to have a better BABIP despite the much higher strikeout rate. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm still not going to give up hope. He's 26 years old. He's going to Chicago. I like that Chicago lineup. I'm going to have a share or two of uh, Mr. Red Bull. It's Nope, yeah, nope has him in it. Well, actually, one person had it, uh, Mike had him in the top 20. I was going to say there's a good shot of him being in the top. If you ask me to dump some of the other guys out of the top 20, like I'll, I'd rather have Laurie than than Harrison this year. And okay. just about everybody has them ranked the opposite way. I'd rather yes. have Laurie because there's upside there. We've seen Harrison's upside. Agreed. Agreed. I've got them very close. I actually have Harrison ahead. Um but I got Lori right there. They're 20 and 23. That's that's a that's a nothing difference, especially when you're talking down at that level. It's really difficult to separate guys. And a 10 spot difference could be, you know, one click of, of actual talent, to be honest. So, uh, OK, you mentioned this guy earlier. You said that you do like Mike Moose Tacos. Uh, is there more power for Moose Tacos? Or are you just thinking more of the same of last year, which was the power and and hit tool mix? Or do you think this is a power surge? I, there's a little more into his bat. I mean, we, last year he hit the 22. I think he could cap out it. I think he's got a few more there. I mean, when you look at the, the fly ball rate, everything's rather steady. So something would have to change in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he hasn't had that big spike. I mean, at this point, he's had different parts of five seasons in the major leagues. You would consider mostly full. I mean, his rookie year was yeah. 365 plate appearances. So you could say he's had roughly five full years in the majors, but he hasn't had. Usually somebody has some kind of crazy ass spike in something. Not him. Ground ball rate, fly ball rates all been about the same. Home in the fly ball rates all been about the same. You know, batting average and balls in play. Uh, he had a had big low in 2014, we all recall. Um, but he's yet to have one over 300. Uh, so he hasn't had that crazy spike yet. So I don't, like I said, I don't think we've seen the best numbers of him because everybody's got that kind of crazy spike and it hasn't hit him yet. Maybe this year it happens. And, and you know, people will say, oh, it's because he's 27. Uh, oh, but God. no, that's not it. He's oh, got almost five full seasons in the league. Uh, it'll happen for him at some point, and I think there's a little more to this bat, which is why I like him. Uh, to me, at the when it's all said and done, I think Mustakas uh, is a top 10 third baseman this year. I, I like Mustakas. I only got him up to 12, but I'm a big fan. I actually think that 
I think there's a, a, a big power surge in that bat somewhere. And maybe it's even just in the in the luck department. Maybe he just gets that year of 18% homer to fly ball rate because he already hits the ball in the air a ton. Um, up until last year, he pulled it a ton, but he started going to the yep. other fields to improve that batting average. Honestly, I think at, at worst, not at worst, because obviously the worst is, is, is very low, but I think a, a safe projection would be more of the same. I don't think he's going to super fall off. Um, but I also believe that, that he could jump forward. So I think, you know, conservatively, I'm saying, okay, he jumps down back to like 18 homers and, and 279 or something. If you, if you want to put on some regression, but the upside there with the power, I think I think he could get into the 30s. I don't think that that's absurd. Um, he makes a lot of contact. Maybe you know, maybe if the maybe it's a Matt Carpenter sort of thing. Strikeouts go up a little bit, but he's a little bit more power focused. But I think he likes having a batting average because he's never been a batting average kind of hitter. I think he likes, and not just because of the batting average, but being a an all fields hitter. I think that was something that he thrived with. And maybe it's just going to be a situation where he kind of takes that that complete Alex Gordon track of you know Gordon was supposed to be the the big time, huge hitter that could, you know, hit for 300, hit for 30 homers and all that. And it never really came to fruition. He's been just a solid above average player. Maybe that's just what Moustakis is going to be. And that's completely fine. Cause if he puts up, you know, a, a bunch more of these four win seasons, I'm sure the Royals will be all right with it. This is a guy that I take ahead of Adrian Beltre. And I know that, I know that pains you to say that because prior to last year, there's no chance you would have said that. Because no, but I, I'm saying it now. He was coming. Mustakis was coming off of back-to-back 77 WRC pluses. All right. Speaking of bounce backs, I don't know if we were speaking of bounce backs. That was a terrible transition. But we are now speaking of bounce backs. Who's the better bounce back candidate, Pablo Sandoval or David Wright? Uh, David Wright. I, I truly think that Pablo Sandoval lacks professionalism. You're out on Pablo. Uh, I mean, he he said he's lost. I I read something that he's lost 20 pounds. He'll find them. which puts him back, which puts him back at the overweight status that he was heading into last, uh, heading into uh, to the final stretch last year. I mean, that he needs to stop switch hitting. That has to that needs to happen if it hasn't already. I honestly wasn't paying attention to him down the stretch because he was such a piece of garbage <laughs> at that point. As a hitter. Um, but no, I I just writes the safer play there uh, for me, even with the the spinal stenosis issues he was going through. But I, I'm really down on Pablo Sandoval. It looks like he was uh, doing some kind of not switch hitting here for at least 56 games. He was, he was lefty versus lefty. Um, and it, and it was an improvement. He, he had a brutal, brutal start versus lefties as a righty. He was two for his first 41. And yeah, so then I remember he, that. he went to the left on left and, and it was still only a 590 OPS. Although I think as far as left on left battles go, that's not that far below average. Right. Um, man, I'm inclined to kind of buy in on, on Pablo Sandoval a little bit this year because the price is going to be super depressed. And I just don't know that he's this bad of a player. You know, the, his previous seven years suggest completely otherwise uh, by, by quite a m- large margin. So, yeah, I, I think I'm actually oh, – it's tough because I, I, I love David Wright. I think he's just – a great player when he's when Pablo he's wasn't even that good in his walk year. No, I mean, you're, you're if, right. If you, you're right, barely above average. If you average. think about him, he hasn't driven in over he hasn't driven in over 80 runs since 2009. He hasn't had time. he hasn't had 20 homers since 2011. 
I mean, he is a clog on the base pass. He hasn't scored 70 runs since 2009. There's a lot not to like, and he hasn't hit over 285 since 2011. I mean, it's just the names there. He's got the cute nickname. But nah, you sold David Wright. Where's everything else? When you look at the numbers, where is everything else? And it's and everything else is consistent. I mean, in in this day and age, this is truly amazing. His strikeout rate has been between 13 and 15 percent for seven years. And honestly, That's it. it's, it, it's crazy. Here's the craziest part. It's even this is even crazier because if you take off last year, it was 13 percent. Every single year, 13-1, 13-1, 13-5. So I guess that's technically 14, 13-3, 13-5, 13-3, 14-5 last year. So he makes the contact. I guess that's where the value is in terms of what kind of rebound he can have. He'll get the batting average back up next year, but you're right. There's no pop there. The, the RBIs I did not realize. Honestly, if you'd done, done a blind quiz and said, you know, what, what are his RBI numbers? I, I would have said, no, he's never had 100. I do know that. But he's consistently in the 85 to like 92 range. And I'd have been dead wrong because he has that one year of 90 and then uh, struggles to get to 75. That's kind of a selling point for me is that, you know, he's not getting those runs and RBI numbers. And as long as David Wright's healthy, and I know that that's a, that's a big if, but he's going to be playing – that's a solid lineup. It's not as good as uh, Boston. I know that, but David Wright's a better player, and he was really good last year in those 174 plate appearances that he got. It's nice right. that when he was on the field, he was great. That definitely gives me confidence, even though we do have to worry a bit about the the spinal stenosis, how how that might affect him. We don't really know right now. All right, Jason, I got to get a sleeper from you. Um, we're looking for a guy here who's ranked outside of the aggregate top 20. That's Justin Turner is the cutoff there. So anyone after him, who you got? I, I really like this name, by the way. Go, go ahead. Hey, before that, though, I mean, when I when you looked outside, we mentioned earlier, if you're looking for late, I mean, power plays, I'm not mentioning the guy, but, you know, Javier Baez, Joey Gallo. I mean, these are guys that, that could possibly sabotage 20 home runs. People were you know, with late, crazy with on late. them last year. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of guys were high on him and they didn't produce. I mean, the guy that I like, uh, who knows where he's going to play and where he's going to get his playing time is is Derek Dietrich from the Marlins. And I mean, he can't hit lefties at all. This is a guy that has to be in a platoon uh, and and be on the strong side of a platoon, but that's going to be problematic for him. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's he can't hit lefties at all. But yeah, but. Uh, the issue with him is where is he going to get the playing time because they have the way their infield uh, stacks up right now, but he qualifies at a few places. Third base, obviously being one of them. Um, all he's got to do is get Mar you know, Martin Prado at his age. Is he going to hold up for a full season or is Martin Prado going to remain there for a full season? Uh, you know, that could be the issue, but with, with Dietrich, the pomp's been there. He's had, he had power in the minor leagues last year. He had 10 homers uh, in part-time duty. Uh, nine of them came against the righties. I forgot who the lefty was, but I remember laughing when it happened. It was one of these things where, like, how the hell did that happen? It never yeah. should have happened. Uh, yeah, but this guy, can he can pop him. He's got some pop. It's just a matter of can he get, get to the opportunity where he can find the playing time. Uh, but if I can take him late, he's not mixed league material, uh, no. but he's he's reserve. If I've got a deep, if I'm at a 15 team and I can draft five guys on reserve, I'll take a pop on him. But this is a guy that I would absolutely be looking at in an only league as a corner infielder. Yeah, I, I like I like Dietrich as well. The, the only real concern right now is playing time. But, you know, we have to say, like, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, needs to stay healthy. He never does right now, so it's not out of the question for him to be the guy that goes down and Dietrich replaces him. I know that's not something we second, want to think third about. Outfield He's got second, third, and outfield eligibility on draft day. I mean, this is, if if you've played in leagues with me, you know this is an ideal guy that I'd love to get. 
because I can move him around and I can bounce him around. Uh, and, you know, as long as he gets to sit against every single lefty and doesn't play them, I don't care if he had the one home run against them. It's just, please don't. These are the types of guys that need to be sat against the, the same handed hitters. So they don't get the, so it doesn't tank their batting. Yeah, don't average. ruin, don't ruin my numbers that I built. Like I haven't had a chance to listen to you guys, listen to what you guys talked about the uh, Corey Dickerson trade with, uh, uh, with and Jake McGee. But you know, one of the things that I would say would help cool off his uh, leaving course field regression is the fact that Tampa is not going to let him play against lefties. If there was one good thing that they do well, they platoon guys. Well, yeah, and they've got the a straight option. platoon. Yeah, and, and they've got and they have options. They could have Brandon Geyer, they could have Mikey Maddock. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got ways of, of making sure that he doesn't get over that he doesn't face lefties. And uh, uh, Manny Parra was the guy he hit the home run off of last year. Way to go, way. Manny Parra. I remember Parra from when he was good with Milwaukee as a starter. Now, now he's a decent enough reliever. He's he's getting he's getting the job done. Uh, that's actually gonna a count. full count. Manny Manny Parra in a full count. And, the lefty and he had, he had to throw him some here. cheese, and, and Dietrich jumped all over that. He also smacked Tanaka. Um, Everyone uh, Tanaka, Kimbrell, and Steven Strasburg last year, See, too. That, that's, that, that's some legit cheese that he is uh, taking care of yeah. right there. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I like Dietrich. By the way, one, one correction. Uh, he won't have second eligibility next year. It'll be, just be the third in the outfield. But honestly, anybody with multiple <laughs> eligibility is something oh, – that you gotta love this year. These these days, I mean. Um, I blended fourteen and fifteen. That's what I looked at. And so yeah, yes, he had he had fourteen capability. Still gonna be on my roster. I'm in one NL only league this year. He's gonna be on my roster. He, I mean, again, anybody with multiple eligibility in that kind of league where you really start scraping the bottom of the barrel, you gotta be able to move guys around. They just they do have a, a lot of value, and I think that's why somebody like Josh Harrison, even after a tough year last year, continues to be somebody that folks like to go after because you can kind of move them around and that always helps. Jason got a short episode today uh, after the, after the big one on Friday, it is Sunday night. So we're going to go ahead and cut it off after just the third base ranks, no Twitter questions tonight, but we'll be back next week talking all sorts of crazy baseball stuff. Hope you have a great week, Jason. I'll talk to you next Sunday. Yeah, we we have to record early because it's Super Bowl Sunday next oh, Sunday. I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess we'll record in the morning. So you guys will get an early podcast next Sunday. Enjoy that. Yes, and then we can kiss football goodbye. It, it'll be 100% baseball. Take care. <laughs> See you.